sun has risen and it's a nice crisp morning. So if you're going for a run or going to work or just kind of having breakfast, I hope you're having a good listen. And this is Discover Thursdays with Haz, listening to songs you didn't know existed. But it's not just about songs, is it? It's also about discovering interesting facts. And I have an interesting fact for all of you. Now that the sun has risen, we can talk about it. It's seven o'clock. And I want to talk about what was going on at the Salt Lake the other day. I was actually riding on my way here, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, and I saw all of these people gathering at the, the Salt Lake or Lake, what's it called? I wrote it down, Wallingup, uh, Wallingup. Anyway, all gathering at Lake Wallingup. And I thought, oh, I wonder what's I wonder what's going on there because it's really early in the morning and it's also really dark. What what are you planning on doing today? And I did some research and found out that they actually do excuse me. They actually do land sailing at the Salt Lake in over in Warmbra, you know? And I thought, oh, what the heck? is land sailing. So I want to talk about land sailing today. It's, I guess the fact in that case is they do land sailing at Lake Wallingup. But uh, yeah, I want to talk about land sailing today. Uh, I've got a couple facts to start us off. So land sailing has actually been around since 500 AD. Wow. That's like 1500 years or I say land sailing has been around for, for 1,500 years. It's not really true. But the concept of putting a sail onto a thing with wheels and then going across land using wind, that idea has been around for about 1,500 years. That's a long, that's a long time. People looked at boats, which obviously have been around since forever. Hold on. Let me just Google. That's a good question to Google. I imagine very old. There is, oh yeah, this, this is dating back to over <laughs> 900,000 years ago. Yeah, so boats are way older than land boats or land surfing, but land surfing still is pretty up there in age, five, 500 AD. That is, that is a long time ago, and it's practiced all over the world, including right here at uh, the Salt Lake in Warmbra, and it has this enormous history, which... I didn't know going into it. So I went, oh, how much can there really be about land sailing? Turns out there can be a lot about land sailing. This, this recreational sport has a rich history and some pretty cool stories as well. are talking about land sailing. And today's interesting fact is that they do land sailing on the Salt Lake in Warmbra. Anyways, uh, land sailing has had a long history. It dates back to 500 AD. And how do we know it dates back to 500 AD? Well, that's because we have some writings from a Taoist scholar named Zhao Yi in 500 AD, thereabouts, a little bit later than 500 AD, like 550 AD or whatever. This bloke, Zhao Yi, wrote about land sales in China way back in the day. He said that 
a bloke named Gaokang Wushu invented a carriage that was propelled across the land by wind with a big sail on it that could carry up to 30 people. That's a huge amount. Modern land sa- land sailing, modern, like, the things that do land sailing, land boats? Oh, I didn't actually... Anyways, I know the verb, but I don't know the noun. Anyways, anyways, modern land sailing, they only do, like, one person. This was a... This was a veritable boat on the land, honestly. But I I do want to add a little caveat to that a guy named Gaokang Wushu invented it. I want to add a little little asterisk because I was like, oh, Gaokang Wushu, what's this guy like? I'd like to research him. And I, I looked around and I Googled his name and the only place his name comes up that I could find was in that Wikipedia article. Every Everywhere else that references Wushu references the Wikipedia article about land sailing, right? I couldn't find him anywhere else. Okay, I said, well, if this is all coming from Wikipedia, what's Wikipedia say? Like, where is it Wikipedia sourcing this from? And I had a look in the caption, or not captions, what are they called? The quotations of Wikipedia. No dice. There is a quotation, and it uh, quotes to, it just says, Temple 195. I have no idea what Temple 195 means. So the information that uh, Zhao Yi wrote about this guy named Gaokang Wushu, obviously I can't go and ask Zhao Yi for his source, but showed me something that I, I didn't know before I started doing all of this research, not this particular research, but research for all of these other shows. And that's that a lot of people like to quote Wikipedia, which makes total sense because it's a great font of knowledge, right? And a lot of people like to quote other sources as well, but it's really important to check your sources because if Wikipedia says something, but then Wikipedia doesn't tell you where that thing came from, it's just as uncredible as like, Dave's blog, you know, there's no backing to it. I'd really like to see in Wikipedia, I mean, they're never going to update it because it's the perfect website and they figured it out and stuff, but I'd love to see in Wikipedia a a function where you can highlight a sentence and see who has written it, like their Wikipedia account or whatever, so you can email them when the source, maybe something's not credited or something's not sourced correctly, like this one, and you can email the people and say, hey, real quick, where did you get this information from? So take the fact that Gaokang Wushu invented the very first recorded land boat sail thing with a grain of salt because I don't know if that's true. I wanted to do a quick aside on Zhao Yi because I clicked on his, I, I, I did a little bit of research on who he was and found out that there is an abs, there is, this is a huge, I just, it just opened up in front of me and I thought, oh wow, that's, that's a lot of stuff. I have to talk about this in the show. So a quick aside about Zhao Yi, he became Emperor Yuan of the Li, of Liang in China, and I didn't know what Liang was or how you could become an emperor of it. But basically, there was a there was a dynasty in China where there was the the northern northern dynasty, northern places and southern places and west and east. And this was in the 
This was in the southern part of China. So when I say the North Dynasty, it's dynasty is not the right word or the north province or whatever it's kind of in the middle of china right and this is again way 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 back in history so liang was actually the biggest of these four and liang is the southernmost province of the the of this dynasty right i'm using dynasty wrong i know that i'm using dynasty wrong but i can't think of a better word to use province uh, just go province this is in the past anyways zhao yi became Emperor Yuan, which is his emperor name, because back in the day, there was a bunch of different names for a bunch of different situations. Emperor Yuan of Liang in 1552 AD, a long time ago. And the reason he became emperor is because his dad was being held hostage, and so was his older brother. So everything just kind of fell onto Zhao Yi, who before this, and continuing through his emperorship was a, a a huge writer and a huge collector of all of these ancient documents. He, he at one point, at the height of his collection, had 140,000 documents that were like old books and old writings and his own writings and all of these sorts of really valuable ancient... Yeah, he's a, he, was a, he was a collector. He was a pretty cool guy. Although, not that cool because... As his story progresses, he becomes emperor, and which is great, good on him, but some ambassadors from the western province and the northern province, I think the western, the northern, it was the northern key and the western way, right? They came down to the southern Liang province and said, hey, what's up? We're going we're gonna to chill. We're ambassadors. Let, you're a new emperor. Let's, let's have a bit of a chat here. And he, whilst very polite to the Northern Key ambassadors, was very, very dis like disrespectful of the Western Way ambassadors. Why? I don't know. I couldn't really find anything. But the Western Way ambassadors remembered this. They also received a very strongly and kind of nastily worded letter from Zhao Yi, well, who is now Emperor Yuan, about changing some of the borders back because the western border and the southern border are connected and he sent them a very very nasty letter and they went oh yeah oh this emperor yeah we're gonna we're gonna get rid of this emperor actually and the western way province i keep wanting to say dynasty the western way province then waged war or, or invaded rather the southern liang province and won because zhao yi or emperor yuan wasn't didn't really think they were going to go through with it. He didn't think, oh, they'll 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 fight me. I'll have to prepare. No, he thought, oh, they're just no. They don't don't worry about them. He vastly underestimated their ability, and they took the capital, or whatever the capitals are called in Chinese provinces. Yeah, Yuan was only emperor for a year, but you know, good innings. I've never been emperor for any amount of time, so he's still he's doing better than I am. <laughs> he lost his emperorship and then 20 days later shink, they executed him but before he was executed emperor yuan did something a little snarky I, it feels like it was done out of spite or out of a, a way to kind of protect uh his dignity or something like that but he burnt his entire collection of ancient chinese literature which 
oh no. As we all know from the burning down of the library in Alexandria and whenever we see book burnings on, well, I mean, I don't know how many book burnings you see just out and about, but I see most of them in movies. Burning books is always not great. And so he destroyed his entire collection and it's often considered one of the most disastrous and tragic events in the study of works in ancient Chinese history. People who people who study these kind of things go, ah, oh, I really wish Yao Yi didn't do that because there was a treasure trove of valuable knowledge and information about history there, which now that I'm thinking about it, that's probably why there was no citation for Gao Chang Wushu's invention of the land sailboat because it all got burnt up, which is a shame. I hope you like that, by the way. I thought that was I thought that was really interesting that little that little story and how it very loosely connects to how it loosely connects to land sailing, right? I find a lot in this research that there will be that historical figures that have been a part of major events, for example, Zhao Yi or Emperor Yuan, and I think in the last episode I did, there was a there was a surprising connection. Oh, a couple episodes ago, there was a surprising connection, and that and I and I think that's because all of these kind of periphery topics, all of these topics that probably don't have a lot of research really put into them or aren't really talked about in the the, the public consciousness of pop culture or whatever, historical figures kind of skirt the edges of these obscure topics, and I think it's really interesting that you know you're 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 running around land sailing and suddenly you stumble across this major historical figure who was part of something else and something else and it all kind of builds up like that, yeah. We just had uh, a bit of a long tangent on Zhao Yi and his year-long reign as emperor, but we are back. We're going to get back to land sailing now, I promise. So, moving through history from the ADs into the, or, well, I guess we're still in the ADs. I don't think there's something after AD. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a joke, but I absolutely can't. Going through the, going, moving forward through history now from the ADs to the more, not modern history, but like not ancient history. We're hitting up on, where I'm talking about like the, the 1400s. They were, they were using land boats to, to cross America or back then they called them wind wagons. And a lot of travelers and merchants and stuff bring the idea of wind wa- of wind wagons of sail say land boats land sail boats again i don't have the noun for it it's i just have the verb land sailing they bring back the idea of land sailing from asia and they, or from the east and they bring it to the west and then a little known guy named john milton wrote a poem about it in uh, 1665 if you reeled at the fact that I said little-known guy named John Milton, well, this was a year before he was very well-known for his insanely influential epic poem, Paradise Lost. So John Milton wrote a poem about land sailing, 
or just about the the technology really and that poem really really hit it off which is no wonder because the dude wrote paradise lost the next year so he was clearly pretty good at it there was also some stories i also read that people in the the 1600s and a little bit earlier and stuff were were kind of showing off their land sailboats to to other people and obviously people who owned land sailboats were more aristocrats and stuff like that and so i like to imagine uh, after an a, a, a very fine meal and the aristocrat uh, the this aristocrat host is like that was lovely everybody all of that turkey and things now come come out into my garden i have something to show you and everyone walks out into the garden and they're all like this is quite this is quite different what's what's earl of hamming got planned for us today and over the hedge they see a mast and the mast is kind of moving along very smoothly and they go oh he's going to show us his new boat and he says it's not a boat and then it comes out from behind their hedges and it's a boat on wheels and then they all go for a ride and it's it's very it's very joyous and then they play croquet and then get beheaded or something i don't know whatever you did as an aristocrat back in the 1600s but people were people were showing these off and things like that and that's kind of how land boats got through history they were they were novelties to the west and i didn't see a lot of reports of them being used too often in the east but we have now made it to the modern day to 1967 the point where land sailboating went from you know a a fun aristocratic hobby into something that could actually be useful a not that it wasn't useful up until this point. Again, remember that the we were crossing the Americas with them uh, and they were called wind wagons. But this is where, in the modern day, they took a look at the land sail and a deci- land sailboat and decided, right, let's actually try something with this. So let me tell you a story. If This is where it really started to pop off, especially recreational land sailing, which is what? It's basically today all over the world is it's done recreationally. And this is where it popped off. The year is 1967. And either, and there's a couple differing sources on this, but either a, a French foreign a battalion, I think they're called. It's a, a, a French foreign army where they, they go to other places and kind of, you know, do whatever it is they do over in this other place. Or it was an ex-French military man who had a theory and wanted to test it out. Whatever whatever it was, they decided to host a race of land boats in, ready, the Sahara Desert. Which, when I first read that, I'm like, whoa, the Sahara Desert? That's would that be a good place for land sailing, actually? Because it's big and it's flat and it's kind of sandy. And that's what the Salt Lake in Warmbra is like. It's big and flat and kind of sandy. And then I thought, oh, man, that would be so terrifying just trusting this land sail across the Sahara. And I was like, well, okay, they're only doing it in the Sahara. They're not crossing the Sahara. Oh, no, 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 no. You do, You misunderstand. When I read race at first, I thought, oh, a quick little, you know, go up for like 500 meters and then come back and whoever wins gets uh, orange or whatever. But no, this was a race. It was a cross-country race that was going to last 32 
days, a month on the Sahara Desert, trusting in nothing but land sailing, right? Now, there is actually a reason they did this. See, back in the day, back in in this era and a bit earlier, that kind of 1940s to 1960s, where air travel wasn't super common, like it existed, planes existed, but it was expensive and tough to cross large distances. We weren't in the the world we are today where it's just aeroplanes all the time and just it's very easy to get to other... I mean, not now with a pandemic, but it's very easy to get to... It was very easy to get to other places with technology and stuff back then, eh, not so much. So they had a lot of trouble. A lot of people had a lot of trouble crossing the Sahara Desert, especially because it's so big and would require so much fuel for cars and planes and things. And this French military group, or this French military guy who's, who it looks like I've forgotten to write the name of who he was, but he was a French military guy, an ex-French military guy, thought, okay, hold on a minute. Could we cross the Sahara Desert using nothing but land sails? Because if you can just, the, the Sahara Desert's very windy regardless. And so if you can if you can cross the Sahara Desert using no fuel and get across it on these little little dinky devices, that's that's going to be perfect. It's, or at least it would be perfect for the time. So they set out all these different people from all these different countries. I'm talking England and Germany and France, of course, and America. And they all brought these custom-built, they had to be custom-built because no one was building them at the time, these custom-built land sails... These, this, by the way, is also where we see the first single-person land sailboats, wind wagons, which is the, the most recent use before this one, held a bunch of stuff. They held supplies, and they held a couple people, and they were huge. These ones, these are the first single-to-two-person land sailboats, which I think is an important distinction. But maybe the, maybe the ex-military French guy's idea was, well, if we can prove that you can do it with just one person, I'm sure other people will figure out that you can make an even bigger wind wagon and then cross the Sahara like that. But anyways, so 12 people, 32 days, and it was really long. I can't remember how far it was, but it was, it was pretty, 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 pretty far. Yes. Yeah, I didn't research how far it was. That would have been a really good... It was far, is what I'm saying. It's going to take them 32 days of pretty much constant riding all day to cross this part of the Sahara. It's huge. It's a huge undertaking. And because it's so huge, they needed to bring some other supplies along. They're not dumb, and they needed to... They knew they might die out there. So there was also two Jeeps and 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 two light aircraft that were following along with all of these all of these blokes crossing the sahara and what's awesome about this is that there's actually pictorial evidence of this happening there are pictures of people in the sahara like going out and the reason it got so popular the reason i know about this story and i can tell it to you and how other people know about this story is because of november of 1967 this was feature this expedition was featured on the cover of national geographic wow cool featured on the cover of national geographic and because of that, there are some copies of the actual article 
written back in the 60s about this event. And man, I wish people still wrote articles like they did back in the 60s because it is so like dramatic and so grand what they when they talk about it. It's 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 very very cool. We've kind of brought ourselves right back to the modern day. Started all the way back in what was it? All the way back in 552 AD with Zhao Yi and his writings about Gao Chan Wushu, who may or may not have invented it. I mean, I don't, I don't have a reason to think that Zhao Qi was was lying, but also he was a bit mean and got himself killed and burned all of his books. So I don't know, I don't know how much I want to trust him. And then we moved through history as we're looking at land sailing about aristocrats showing it off in front of all of their friends and how in America they were used to cross the American Plains, and they were called wind wagons. There's some old paintings of, of these sorts of things. I would, I would highly recommend you check them out. And then we came to modern history, to the 1960s, where people are using them to cross the Sahara Desert. There was that 32-day expedition to prove that, hey, maybe we can harness the winds of the Sahara, and this is how we're going to cross the Sahara, because apparently that was a, that was a pretty big deal back in back in the 1960s, and we talked all about that, and now we're in modern times. What does land sailing look like in 2021? Well, first off, we've got to go all the way back to 1999. In New Zealand, where out of his backyard, Paul Beckett, I did research that name, it is Paul Beckett, in his out of his backyard, Paul Beckett invents the blow cart, which is a carbon fiber, you know, fiberglass sort of fancy old land sailboat, which is the one we see most today. It's that very modern looking, you've got your you've got your pilot who's laying down, you've he's got the helmet on, you've got those, you know, those sails that that windsurfers use. It's got a sail looking like that. And Paul Beckett over the last 22 years has built kind of an empire. And if you want to buy a land sale, you buy it from Paul Beckett and his blowcart is what it called, B-L-O-C-A-R-T or K-A-R-T, which, you know, go-kart, blow by wind. I thought it was cute. And now they're commercialized and they're readily available and they're bought all over the world. I was just doing some, some quick research. I actually, I've actually run out of time. I wanted to talk about modern races and like champions and things like that but I, I i ran out of time in this in this show so i'll just have to tell you that it's i when i was researching that aspect of the modern races and stuff blow karting and land sailing for recreational purposes is done all over the world in france it's very very popular it's still done in america it's done both over east in Australia and here, because all you need is a windy, large, flat surface. And you can get the, the I think the highest someone ever went was like 120 miles per hour or something like that. Really, really, really fast speeds. They can actually go up to four times the speed of the wind that's blowing because, you know, you're sailing and you don't have any water that is pushing back at you like you would be sailing on the ocean, and instead you've just got flat land ahead of you, so you can really build up some speed. I also read that in professional land sailing tournaments, a gust of wind is actually better for a race than a consistent 
blowing wind because a gust of wind kind of lets you, if you can anticipate it coming and you can really rocket yourself forward, but if it's just constantly blowing, then your competitors might be able to take advantage of it as well. But if you can time that gust of wind just right, you might get ahead of everyone else. I also found out some other names for I've I've used a couple names throughout this show like sail uh land sailing and like land boating and stuff like that but in America it's called dirt boating which is oh my just the best dirt boating is so cool dirt boating sounds like the name of a video game dirt boating oh that that's something I want to see in the olympics dirt boat and and this in this olympics it's australia with dirt boating dirt boating just sounds so cool there are also a lot of other land sailing vehicles for for different situations as well. There's over in more uh, colder countries, there's ice sailing where it's just a land boat on skis and you go across ice, which feels reductive because isn't that practically a frozen boat? Whatever. And there's also what are called a wike. I, it's so hard to pronounce, but it's W-H-I-K-E, a wike, and it is a wind-powered bike. And these are used, not a lot, I imagine, but are used, you know, in France a lot of the time. And they're actually, you're actually able to ride them in traffic because they are a, they are, you can pedal them as well as sail them, which, well, that's, that's pretty inventive. Brings me that brings us to modern times. So it's a it's a recreational sport now. People do it a lot if you have the the money to invest in it. And they have one like twenty k's from literally where I'm sitting right now, and probably pretty close to wherever you are, unless you don't live in Rockingham. And then probably probably not at all. But that's okay. I'm sure you'll be able to find land sailing to watch or to enjoy somewhere near you. And that brings me to the end of my show. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed it because we, uh, we were talking about land sailing because this was and still is Discover Thursdays with Haz, listening to songs and learning things you didn't know existed. Discover Thursdays is written, hosted and edited by me, Harry Bell. And thank you to Inspire Radio for providing the recording equipment. You can listen to this show and many more live at inspireradio.org.au and give them a follow on their Facebook page. Our theme music is Baby Tears Blues by Mort Garson. Discover Thursdays airs live every Thursday from 6am to 9am GMT plus 8.